Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the wine, that, the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so this is our fourth week on our series of What Did Jesus Teach About the Body? And we're going to go in a slightly different direction tonight, a little less directly on the body and more about physicality in general. And our theme for tonight is this. Praise God for stuff. Maybe not the typical message you've heard in church, or the one you'd expect from your Franciscan Mennonite pastor, but that's what I want you to remember tonight. Praise God for stuff. You guys got it? Yeah. All right, repeat after me. All right. Praise, Praise God, God for, for stuff. stuff. Amen? Amen? Praise God for stuff. So we've been often given the message that if we want to be good Christians, it's our job to hate stuff, right? Like, that's, that's often what we've been told. We're, not supposed to, we're supposed to love spiritual things and not physical things, and to over-enjoy the things of this world is to turn away from God. But in the beginning, God created everything and said that it was good, right? And God gave the creation to human beings and basically said, enjoy. Eat of the trees, tend the land, be fruitful and multiply, make babies, Right? The creation is here for you to enjoy. Praise God for stuff. But then the fall happens, and even creation is corrupted, and the ground is difficult to tend, and thorns grow on the bushes, and the whole making babies thing actually gets difficult um, as a result. So maybe creation is not so good, and maybe we can only long and hope for the fruits of it. Uh, hope for the fruits of heaven, or maybe we need to leave the physical world in order to be holy. 
The fall definitely complicates our relationship to the physical, and we might think that it's our job to cast it aside. But then the incarnation happens, right? And rather than rejecting the physical, God embraces the physical and actually puts it on and walks among us and takes on physical form and eats and drinks and seems to enjoy the gifts of this world. Praise God for stuff. That said, Jesus could have come as like a cranky prophet, right? I mean, there's even, you know, there's even biblical precedent for that. Mm-hmm. He could have come and been like, all right, guys, you got to get rid of all your stuff. You got to hate stuff. He could have come and scolded everybody for eating and drinking. And he could have said that if you want to be holy, you need to leave the physical behind. And sometimes we think about Jesus that way. And then we have a story like John 2, the wedding at Cana. You guys know this story? One of the more famous stories in the Bible. Jesus is at a wedding and the wine runs out. And of course, even in the 21st century, that's a pretty big faux pas, right? If you're serving wine to run out of alcohol halfway through a wedding. Jesus' mother turns to him and says, do something. You got to do something about this. And Jesus turns to her and says, Good, maybe they'll finally sober up. (laughs) Right? Good, enough of this partying stuff. They better get back to church, right? Good, it's time those drunks get back to spiritual things. Instead, what does Jesus do? It says that he spots six large stone jars. 20 to 30 gallons. Have you ever thought about that? I know that detail kind of gets overlooked in this story. That's 150 gallons. Like, think about a gallon of milk at the grocery store, right? Now imagine 150 of those. That's how much wine Jesus just made. That's the equivalent of 750 bottles of wine. It's a lot of wine. But he turns it into non-alcoholic wine, right? And like really watered-down wine, right? After they serve the wine, the master of the banquet says, oh yeah, there's their stingers. You can see them there, right? These are not little things, right? <laughs> After they serve it, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheapest wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. I guarantee you that nobody in human history has ever said that about non-alcoholic wine. (laughs) I'm pretty sure of that one. Apparently, Jesus makes excellent wine. Like really, really good wine. And he doesn't apologize about it. He doesn't scold everyone for enjoying it. In fact, he seems to have made it, and everybody loves it. And this is not the only time Jesus embraces the physical, right? He eats on the Sabbath. He's anointed with fancy perfume. He talks about the kingdom of God as a wedding feast. He's called a glutton and a drunkard, right? Apparently, Jesus likes stuff. 
God gave us stuff, and apparently we're allowed to enjoy it. And apparently it even has a role in the kingdom of God. There's this verse at the end of this passage. Um, you know, this isn't just a throwaway miracle, right, uh, to avoid some social embarrassment. It says, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples <coughs> believed in him. If you read the whole book of John, there's seven signs that point to the kingdom of God and reveal the glory of Christ. And it includes walking on water and raising Lazarus from the dead and apparently making wine. Like really good wine. That's like part of how Jesus reveals the kingdom of God. And so because of John 2, we have permission to like stuff. And apparently excellent stuff can actually point us to the kingdom of God. So I think our calling is not to reject stuff, but instead to praise God for stuff. Amen? Amen. So this statement does need a little nuance, and I'm going to give us a couple things to think on, because, again, there's, there's a lot of counter-narratives we could go with here. But the first one... I think I stole this phrase from Scotty. I don't know where he got, got it from. But if you want to praise God from stuff, you actually need to enjoy your stuff more, not less. If you have a car, are you ever grateful that you have this like amazing thing that scoots you around at 65 miles an hour and like just takes you places and is relatively safe? That's crazy, right? Like praise God for cars. If you have clothes that fit you well and make you feel good, praise God. Like, what a gift. Be grateful every time you put them on. Do you have a comfy bed? Like, give God praise every time you get to sleep in, right? That should be a holy moment. Where you just, God, thank you. <laughs> if you have food to eat, make sure to enjoy it. It's meant to be a gift. Let's talk about pizza for a second. <laughs> Pizza's amazing, right? Pizza. Can we all, even if you're gluten-free, like, pizza's amazing, right? Amen. <laughs> right? Like, if you can't praise God for pizza, <laughs> something's wrong. not saying spiritual things don't matter, but how often do we marvel at the gifts of creation and not just like the trees and the flowers. I know that like that's all there, but, but beautiful clothes and comfy beds and pizza. I don't think we're honoring God by not enjoying these things. I don't think that's actually what we're called to, to feel bad every time we enjoy something physical in this world. I think we actually honor God by enjoying them more, not less. And when we actually enjoy these things, when we actually allow ourselves to enjoy these things, I think it can actually orient us back to God. Right? There's a way we can worship stuff, and that's bad, but there's a way we can enjoy stuff that actually can be worship. Right? You know what I'm talking about? There's a way we can actually enjoy things that orients us back to God and, remember, and reminds us that this world is a gift and that is given to us by a good creator who created it good. A God who loved us so much that he gave us pizza. <laughs> right? 
I mean, God gave us eternal life and forgiveness and salvation and also pizza. And we're allowed to enjoy that. And I think we honor God when we do so. So I think if we want to honor God, we need to enjoy our stuff more, not less. Now, in our story, Jesus turns water into wine. And of course, there's plenty of reasons to not drink too much wine, right? Before we don't say that counterpoint. It's addictive. It'll hurt your body. You'll make, you know, it's... It's easy to make poor choices if you drink too much wine. But you know one of the other reasons to not turn to not drink too much wine is mindless consumption. Right? I mean, like, Jesus makes wonderful wine, and if you drink too much, you actually stop being present to the fact that you're drinking wonderful wine. Now you're just in a blur. You're no longer enjoying the thing giving God praise. And, you know, that's particularly true of alcohol, right? But I think that's also true of, like, everything on some level. Like, if you want to stop praising God for pizza, like, eat pizza every night, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? If pizza showed up after, on the seventh night, I'd still be like, all right, this is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you want to stop enjoying clothes, get new clothes all the time, right? If you want to stop... If you want to not praise God for your food, eat it as quickly as possible, probably while doing something else. I think we're supposed to praise God for stuff, but that probably means getting less stuff and consuming it more slowly and intentionally with as much presence as possible. I actually think that the sin of gluttony has less to do with, like, overeating and has more to do with mindless consumption, where we just keep filling ourselves up and we're not really present to the thing that we're consuming. We just keep consuming without ever stopping to realize we're consuming it, to enjoy it, to praise God for it, to be grateful for the things we have. So think about the week ahead. What are the things you will consume? What's the food you will eat, the clothes you will wear, the objects you will use? And as you think about the week ahead, I invite you to try that this week. Move more slowly. Try and be present to your physical world. And try and give God praise for the things you have. Think about what it would mean to praise God for stuff. All right, point two. If we want to praise God for stuff, one of the things we might have to do is buy better stuff. Now, I come from a frugal family, right? It's generally considered shameful if you don't buy the generic brand or if you get the medium soda instead of the small soda, right? You should generally feel bad about spending any sort of money. 
And so when I go to buy something, it's really hard for me not to buy the cheapest version of the thing. Is anybody else? And you know, don't get me wrong, right? I'm all about living below your means and not taking on debt and living a simple lifestyle. But when I buy cheap crap on Amazon, I do have to think a little bit about where that came from, right? It was probably made at a factory in China, probably made by someone working long hours for little money, sitting inside all day long, making the same cheap crap. All day long. This is not a job with dignity, right? It's not a job that involves creativity. It's not a job that gives someone worth or allows them to live out creativity in the image of God. It's not a job that's required to have safe working conditions or a health care plan. And yet this job exists because I need cheap plastic crack, right? And I need it in two days or less. And this cheap plastic crap is, of course, made with fossil fuels. It's now shipped across the ocean, burning fossil fuels. It's now tied up in the global supply chain, which means my need for cheap plastic crap, right, is somehow now intertwined with the war in Ukraine, right? And now it's going to go to an Amazon warehouse, which may or may not have good working conditions. And then it's going to get delivered in plastic packaging made with fossil fuels and delivered to me in an Amazon van, powered by fossil fuels. Yep. And voila, two days later, I have cheap plastic crap. Will I enjoy that cheap plastic crap? Maybe. <laughs> Will it give me joy? Will I praise God for it? Will it ever once feel like an act of worship to experience it? Or will I use it twice and throw it? Never really drinking the good wine. And now let's do the opposite thought experiment. I need to get a new table. I can buy one online from Ikea, right? And it'll follow basically the same path we just laid out. Or I could buy one that's handmade. The one that's handmade will probably cost a lot more. Right? But it will be made by someone who is expressing their gifts, who is practicing creativity, who is living in the image of God. The table will probably be, be beautiful, right? Meaning I will get to enjoy it and praise God over it and be thankful for it. And every time I use the table, I'll remember who made it. And it will be unique. I won't have just the same Ikea table as everyone else. can follow the grain of the wood or see the way a corner is cut and be grateful that this is our table. It will require much shorter supply chains. And in the end, the table will probably last ten times as long. right? Maybe even more than a lifetime. Which, of course, in the long run means I will have saved money. Which path is more honoring to God? Which gives dignity and honor to others? Which one will actually give you true gratitude and joy? 
Which one will allow you to praise God for your stuff? And here's where I confess. I am not good at this. Anybody else say that? Yeah, uh-huh. You know why? Because cheap plastic cups are amazing. <laughs> and two-day shipping is amazing, right? <laughs> and spending money is hard. And if you're like me, like everybody else, cost of living is hard right now. And inflation is not fun. And there's bills to pay. And so at the end of the day, I totally understand why we buy the cheaper thing. And at the end of the day, you've got to feed your family and pay your bills. And so I'm not going to judge anyone in this regard. But I wonder, like, could we get 10% better? You know, maybe we can't swap out the whole thing, but like maybe we can get 10% better. Maybe we can just slow down a little bit on purchasing the next cheap plastic crap. Or maybe there's one purchase we can make that would be local or handmade or something that truly would last or gave someone dignity in making it. So think about that for a second. What is one area where you could try to buy better stuff. As you think about that, I challenge you to live that out. And here's the other challenge. Most people that are good at this, I tend to find are the most judgmental people I know. <laughs> right? Oh, I can't believe you buy your food at a grocery store. You know, right? Like, can we not do that? Like, better stuff is a gift from God. It's not a sign of how morally perfect we are. In fact, if we are able to get better stuff, like, let us use it to lift our eyes up, not look down at everybody else. Be humble. If you're able to get better stuff, use it to bless others, not judge them. And, and trust that everybody's doing the best they can. Everybody has, you know, everybody's doing the best they can. That's all we can say. So buy better stuff and praise God and don't judge your neighbor. All right? <laughs> Again, I'm all for being frugal, but it does not honor God to buy crap. I think if I could say one thing on that, it's that. Jesus made good wood, right? Like really good. And when we buy better stuff, it's easier to praise God for it. And we might have to save up for it or buy less of it or wait more than two days. But if you can, buy better stuff. And then praise God for it. Amen? Amen. All right, last piece. Fasting makes way for feasting. So when we fast, we don't actually hate the body, right? That's not what we're trying to get at. We don't hate creation, and we don't hate stuff, and we don't hate the physical. Part of what we're doing is opening up space to make us more aware of the physical world. And more able to praise God for stuff.
So you guys know, over the years, we've tried to do that Lent fast, right? The no meat, no alcohol, no sweets thing. And some years we've done pretty good at it. And some years we've even done like extra fasting during Holy Week or Holy Saturday. And when we actually pull off that fast, you guys know what my favorite meal of the year is? Easter brunch. Easter brunch, right? When we carve the ham on Easter morning, there's joy. It's legit, right? Unlike most other meals, which we do the mindless consumption thing. When I eat dessert that morning, because we eat dessert that morning, you know, because it's a, it's a feast, there's joy. If I'm honest, when I drink a beer that day, there is joy. I am more able to praise God for stuff on that day than I am for any other day of the year. Fasting makes way for feasting. Fasting deepens your hunger in a way that makes you enjoy your food. Fasting makes you more aware of the physical world and actually heightens your sensations. Fasting also just changes your rhythms, right? Like if you change your diet, it actually makes you more aware of the things you're eating instead of just eating the same things over and over again. And of course, writing this, this whole sermon has always, always this felt a little funny to me because one of my heroes is this guy. You guys probably know. I feel I have to cite St. Francis at least every other sermon these days, but you know, that's how it goes. Francis, who famously only wore rags, who walked everywhere barefoot, who would sit in icy water in order to purify himself. Francis famously insisted on not owning anything, which seems like the opposite of praise God for stuff, right? But Francis was a man of joy. He is someone who would sometimes get so overjoyed that his stories would say that he would pick up a stick and start playing air violin. <laughs> like, that's cool, right? <laughs> Apparently one time... The, the citizens of Assisi were, were awakened in the middle of the night by Francis ringing the town bells because he wanted to wake everybody up because the moon was so beautiful and he wanted everyone to see it. Which I'm sure made no one cranky the next day. <laughs> and apparently one year, Christmas fell on a Friday. And Friday was a traditional fast day for the order and they had a debate whether they should be feasting or fasting that year. And Brother Morico said that it was more important to fast than to celebrate the holiday. Do you know how St. Francis replied? It's one of the best quotes in church history right here. He said, you sin, brother, calling the day on which the child was born to us a day of fast. It is my wish that even the walls should eat meat on such a day. <laughs> and if they cannot, they should be smeared with meat on the outside. <laughs> So there you have St. Francis, the guy who, who purified himself in icy water, who bore the stigmata of Christ, said that when it was time to fast, even the walls should eat meat. That's pretty awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they can't, you should smear it on the outside. Fasting makes room for feasting. So if you want to get better at praising God for stuff, try faster.
doesn't have to be extreme, right? Maybe it's having meat once or twice a week instead of every day. Maybe it's skipping the afternoon Starbucks run so you can better enjoy your morning coffee. Maybe it's practicing dry January so you can enjoy the good wine instead of just mindlessly consuming it. Or maybe it's just following the practices the historic church has already given us, right? Things like Advent and Lent, fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, finding special days or seasons to stop consuming. How can you make space for fasting in your life? Fasting makes way for feasting. If you can find times and seasons to stop consuming, when the Easter ham comes out of the oven, you can praise God for ham. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so just to wrap us up. In our last book for Naked Book Club, we read Tattoos on the Heart, and Father Greg shared a quote from his spiritual director. He said this. God created us because he thought we'd enjoy it. That's pretty profound, right? Let that sink in for a minute. How's that sync with what you've been taught about God and creation? God created us because he thought we'd enjoy it. Now, next week, we can do the sermon on mourning and lamentation and righteous anger and all those things. They're all there. They're all legit. But this week's sermon is on joy. Jesus created really good wine. Not just as a parlor trick, right? But as a sign of the kingdom of God. So don't be afraid to praise God for stuff. It might mean buying less stuff. It might mean buying better stuff. It might mean taking seasons where you don't buy any, any stuff at all. But it doesn't mean you have to feel bad about enjoying the things of this world. Because God made this world and gave it to us and called it good and gave it to us as a gift. Amen? Amen. God created us because he thought we'd enjoy it. So go out this week and enjoy it. Like, really enjoy it. Slow down and savor it. Open your hands and just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God for stuff. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.